sure, it's about defying and disobeying and disrupting and also destroying the patriarchy, which I am here for that. I am participating in that actively, and I'm happy to define what that means. From Bookworms in the Wild and from Anchor, I'm Howard Alterescu, and this is my podcast where I ask people I find interesting to tell me what they're reading. This episode includes the second half of my discussion with Uli Boyda-Cohen, the founder of the Subway Book Review Project. The first half, episode 22, included our discussion of Subway Book Review itself. In what follows, Uli discusses her enthusiasm for five books that she has recently read and recommends, including the anti-patriarchal manifesto that inspired the clip I just played. And also along the way, two additional books on rating. Let's get back to the discussion. So let's talk about some of the books you're reading. When, when I ask you to tell me yeah. what you're reading and what you might like to discuss, you mentioned five books that you recently read and highly recommend. You said that all of the books deal with identity and how to find your place in the world. You want to talk a little bit about each? Do you have them here? Yeah. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, and did you come across any of these in your subway discussions? Let's see. Uh, no, none of them yet. But okay. very excited. Very excited. Um, to find people with them. And the thing is, too, you know, like, I really, um, I want to say, I really see myself as a reader myself. I don't see myself as a book expert or a book yeah. critic or, you know, um, even, you know, of course, being a book critic is not a bad thing. But to me, I'm I'm one of the readers and I've always read ferociously since uh, since I could. Um, as soon as I started learning how to read, I took weekly trips to the library in my tiny village in Germany, went to the city, to the library to get new stacks. Um, and reading has always been very significant to me. I read for German for a really long time. Um, that's my native language. It, even years into living in the United States, and I've been here for 18 years now, uh, I would say for the first, almost for the first 10 years, I still read in German. Well. Maybe first eight years, let's say. For the first eight years, I really read in German, and reading in English was really, really tough still, um, just in terms of the imagination sure. really going there and seeing it. And then there was this, and my English was great. Like, my speaking English was great. I would dream in English, all of it. <laughs> but reading in English was still like, I was like, ah, you, you're not fully here yet. Right, Interesting. Yeah. You're still an immigrant. And, and you still have it? I mean, you have it now? And then suddenly, yeah, yeah, like eight years ago or so, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 English. That's, yeah. Uh, now I'm there. Now yeah. I'm there. And uh, that's when it was just, yeah, that's when it was on. So, so you mentioned you referred to yourself as an immigrant. The first three books mm -hmm. that you listed are by immigrants, interestingly, Korean-American, Egyptian-American, and Vietnamese-American. Mm -hmm. And interest, as I read reviews about each of them, interesting perspectives, and one, all three are novels, I think. No, two, two are novels, and one, one of the ref reviews referred to as an anti-patriarchal manifesto, mm -hmm. uh, written by Mona Altahawi. Altahawi. Mm -hmm. Good job on that pronunciation. Well, Mona is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, let's start with Mona. Mona Altahawi, uh, Egyptian American journalist and writer. Um, you see this here. I. 
I am very careful with my books. Usually they look like I've not touched them. Um, and then I changed that a couple years ago because I was like, no, I need to underline, I need to earmark, I need to find things again. So did you see how many things are, are underlined yeah. here? I went nuts in this book. And that is truly because uh, Mona has done something really fantastic with the seven necessary sins for women and girls in that it is really, sure, it's about defying and disobeying and disrupting and also destroying the patriarchy, which I am here for that. I am participating in that actively, and I'm happy to define what that means because a lot of people still get very fearful of that and get yes, I frightened. Um, you know, the destruction of the patriarchy has, of course, nothing to do with the destruction of men. Thank you. Um, the destruction of the patriarchy has to do with um, destroying systems and destroying mindsets that are not focused on equality. That's all it is. Which is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And what Mona does is she flips things on their heads. So she takes the original seven sins, but she has rewritten them. And each chapter speaks to the rethinking of that sin that will help us in the destruction of the patriarchy. Um, so the chapters are... Um, the chapters are anger and attention and profanity and ambition and power and violence and lust. And so just to give you an, an example, in the chapter Ambition, she speaks about um, A, how women are still told that they need to have it all to be successful. Um, and she really asks us to say, well... How are you successful if you don't want to participate in a capitalist society and in a capitalist system? Then having a house and having a car and going on luxury vacations is really not your measurement for success and therefore not for your ambition. Or what if you are someone who works in the nonprofit sector? Or what if you are someone who is a stay-at-home mom? you still have the right to ambition and no one gets to take away from you how you define that. Um, so she's really yeah. encouraging the reader to, uh, within these chapters, redefine things so that they're useful for women and for girls. Amazing. And if, if, so she's Egyptian-American. Yeah. Uh, Look at her. Look at her photo. Bright red hair. Yes. <laughs> Stunning woman. She had both of her arms broken during a protest in Egypt by the police. Um, and uh, she was not silenced. <laughs> no, no, don't imagine nope. she would be. We're very lucky to have her. And uh, the essay collection by Alexander Chi. Oh, my goodness. It, so it's referred to as an autobiographical. It's a novel, but autobiographical. It's a collection of essays. Yep. And the essays build into what could be described as an autobiographical novel mm -hmm. <laughs> or a memoir. Yeah. But it, uh, you know, it is... It's, it's actually called How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. Right. Yeah. And it's, of course, interesting because uh, in one, you know, another book that I very much like, Bird by Bird, um, by... One second. I want to get that right. Um, okay. <laughs> it, does, it does a similar thing. It's by... Oh, yeah, I heard it. It's like a bookstore in here. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's 
is your, is, is your husband a reader? Yes. But I, he, I he also loves an audio book, so, which is yeah, different. So, that's so, listening. That's, that's so, not reading. So it, it's a mixed marriage. It's a mixed marriage. It's an open marriage. <laughs> <Open> marriage <laughs> yes. right, apparently. So the two other books I grabbed are Patty Smith uh, Devotion, um, which is called Why I Write. And uh, it really reminds me of Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, because these are supposedly how-to books, right? Or right, books right. on writing. Of course, what they're telling you is how to deeply explore and own an experience. Amazing, yes. Which is what writing is about. Yes, yes That's yes. the how-to, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, both of these books do this masterfully. And then the other book I was thinking about was Bird by Bird, um, which is by Anne Lamott, um, which is one of the best books on writing. But you see the subline, of course, is some instructions on writing in life. <laughs> and so I would say all three of these books, and Alexander Cheetahs is masterfully because, you know, um, he's a queer man um, who is um, Korean-American um, who has witnessed a lot, you know? Um, and when you witness something, how do you not just in other people, but also when you witness something in yourself, how do you share that with other people? How do you have, like you maybe would say, the guts mm -hmm. um, to share that honestly? Yeah. Um, so that's why I love how to write an autobiographical novel because he also leads you to a chapter about a very specific traumatic experience and he leads you to it. He lets you observe it as the reader and he doesn't necessarily lead you out of it but he gives you the courage to go into your own experiences with a new tool set. And how do I you, mean, as, as, you know? Yes. How do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that did, is insane. How did you find that book? <laughs> oh, I mean, this was written. This is uh, this has been out for a little bit. I'm late to the party, yeah. but you know, you get to it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. book finds you at the yeah, right yeah, time. The book so, finds you at the right time. Yeah. Um, this was a gigantic success. Um, Alexander Chi is also, you know, an amazing teacher and, of course, has, you know, won prizes as a best-selling author for other works. Um, Queen of the Night was a previous novel of his in Edinburgh. And so he, he's very well known, but this just found me. That, uh, my husband got this and then it's been laying there and then it was just the right time. It was just the right time. The book finds you. No. So another uh, book by an immigrant, self-styled Vietnamese-American writer, born in Saigon, raised in Hartford, Connecticut. So on Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. Mm. Ocean. Ocean. Ocean Vuong? Yeah, I mean, on Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. It's really a conversation with his mother. And uh, it's a tough conversation. And you're getting to listen in as a reader and participate in this conversation. And you know, it's, um, the book came out earlier this year and um, his mother was really ill when it came out and had been really ill. And she, um, she actually just passed away, I think very, very recently. And I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about how do you have such a such a discussion? And Ocean is a writer who is in, who is also a poet, and he's incredibly poetic. 
um, full disclosure, I definitely smoked like the tiniest bit of weed <laughs> and then read this book. <laughs> and I felt that it added to it in the most <laughs> stunning ways. I mean, that to me is, uh, you know, sometimes just what you have to do. So that's what I did with Unearth Earth Were Beautifully Gorgeous. And I recommend that because some people were also like, this was over my head. And I said, do whatever you need to do to find your way in. Because this is, this is, a, this is a very sincere, poetic conversation between a son and his mother. Uh, I'm going to read you a small quote from page 192. If you have the book, please open your page. Um, and it says, remember... The rules like streets can only take you to known places. Underneath the grid is a field. It was always there. Where to be lost is never to be wrong, but simply more. As a rule, be more. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Keep, keep, put your bookmark in there because I want to take a picture of that okay. page before we leave. So uh, my last podcast discussion, which I hope to publish in the next couple of days, uh, was about several books, but the main book, the guest was uh, Tracy Seidsinger, who's a clinical psychologist and psychoanalytic psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. It was called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like um, Ocean could have been part of that discussion. He would have done a stunning essay on that. This truly is a novel. I will say yeah. that. Um, but it is a sudden conversation with his mother. Not to say that that is autobiographical, because what well, you know, Ocean says it's a novel. It's a novel. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. believe that, mm -hmm. and uh, we love it. And we, um, it is, it's just you know, again, it's an immigrant experience. Um, but beyond that, it's. It's how how to how to be on Earth when you're also feeling other and when you're um, finding your way into your own skin. Amazing. Yeah. So those yeah. are three books. Then the two other books, as I think you said, the only common denominator was that you love them. Uh, one is commute. Uh, also. Um, well, not also, A Commute, which is uh, a graphic novel, mm -hmm. uh, Commute, an illustrated memoir of female shame. Mm -hmm. uh, by Erin Williams. Yeah, by Erin Williams. That, that doesn't seem to relate to the others. Or, or, oh, but it does, Howard. Oh, oh, good. Oh, but it so, does. So how, how does that relate to the others? Erin Williams is doing something super brave. And I think the other books share that. The other books are very brave because they're very honest and they're brutally honest about things that, you know, I think a lot of writers in the past have really created characters to share those thoughts. And I think in these books, yes, sure, the writers have created worlds for these mm -hmm. themes to be explored in, but I think these writers really also own it as their story. And, you know, that traditionally only used to be the novel, which yes. couldn't also have autobiographical elements. Or if there were if there were by autobiographical elements, they were called out by the literary world. And it was like, well, pick, pick a lane. Is this a memoir? Is this a novel? And these writers are all saying, screw it. We're doing, we're discussing life on our terms. And so that's what all these um, books have in common. And I think what Erin Williams does in Commute is that um, 
aside from there being a subway on the cover, let's That's just, you know, <laughs> and the fact that she created a lot of these illustrations yes. on the subway. Um, what she's done is she's discussing alcoholism in women, which we don't talk about. Uh, she discusses rape, which is something that we're just starting to talk about and often um, not on the terms that women choose, but through news cycles, through the need to come forward to right a societal injustice, right? Like we're seeing with the Kavanaugh hearings, for example. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Williams is married, has a daughter. Um, there's no driving force other than her own will to publish this and to be honest. And I think that's super amazing. And an interesting form in the form of a graphic novel. Yeah, I mean, I devoured this, you know, because it's so personal to see her hand lettering yeah. and her um, drawings of everything from text messages to what it feels like to be drunk. Um, it's really, you know, it's very, very personal. It's hard to read. <laughs> and I highly yeah. recommend it. Again, I get you're like, this woman is so depressed. I'm not depressed, I promise you. Um, I do love a, I'm a very positive, bright, uh, <laughs> optimistic person. Um, but I really will say that my inner world is not dark, but it is definitely deep in thought. I complex, will say that. Complex at the very least. And then uh, Lauren Duca's book, How to Start a Revolution, Young People and the Future of American Politics. Yeah, I mean, Lauren Duca is so cool. She gets a lot of shit because, yes. uh, well, she gets a lot of shit from certain people. She gets shit from people like Tucker Carlson um, on Fox That's News. Okay. That's okay. Um, so she, um, you know, she is known for writing for Teen Vogue. And she wrote a really big op-ed um, called Donald Trump is Gaslighting America. And a lot of people came at her and said, again, like, do you want to write about fashion or do you want to write about politics or what is it you want to do? And she said, you know what, I'm going to do both and I'm going to do both excellently and I'm going to have fun with both. And again, I think very important, but also this book is actually very beautiful in that, again, look, how much I earmarked and how much it underlined. Um, it's just such a great reminder, and it gives you also steps in terms of like how to put your beliefs into action or um, how to form a political opinion um, that I think is just helpful for all of us. And part of it is also um, how, you know, her father is a Republican voter who voted for Trump. And what do you do with that as a daughter who is a fierce liberal? And how can you bridge that divide? And how can you come together again? And so the revolution is not just how to uh, shape our future as a society, but also um, how to build, how to rebuild the future together. And, and bridging that gap is so critical. Finding ways to have civil conversations with people who, with whom you don't agree. Is, I think it's very important. Yeah, it's hard, but it's oh, it worth hard. a try. Yeah, it's worth a try. <laughs> so the, those are the books you recommended. Absolutely fascinating. Where do you buy your books? Are you a bookstore, uh, independent bookstore person? Absolutely. Your, your, your favorites? 
I do have favorites. Um, full disclosure, I get sent a lot of books. I'm very fortunate that way. I get yeah. book mail. Um, it's like Christmas all of the time. Um, and then when I've not requested something or have been, you know... Gifted. Graciously gifted. Um, the books I definitely... I buy from independent bookstores. I love The Strand. I love Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. I love... Um, Greenlight, which is also in Brooklyn. Yep. Greenlight is closest to me yep. um, in Fort Greene. My new favorite bookstore. Yeah. Um, the Center for Fiction. Oh, right across the um, Close to BAM. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I also pick up books from other people's stoop and free <laughs> little great. libraries. Like, That's so great. Um, or boxes that I see on the street. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you very much. This is absolutely wonderful. Your, your enthusiasm for reading and readers is absolutely wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the conversation. More information about our guests today can be found on our website, www.bookwormsinthewild.com, as well as at subwaybookreview.co and at Instagram, at subwaybookreview. Our website also includes links to the books and other resources we refer to in our discussion. Thanks especially to my podcast team. Dave created the podcast with me and is my producer. Ron is responsible for art direction and design for the podcast, our website, and my bookmark. Let me know if you'd like a bookmark sent to you. Melanie, as always, is in control of most everything and provided overall creative direction. Ben and Eden provided additional inspiration and support. And of course, Carol is my muse. Seven-month-old Jake continues to encourage the podcast through his love for being read to, in between swim classes at the Y, and time on the slide at Brooklyn Bridge Park. The entire Wolfpack is also responsible for introducing me to most of my guests, like today. Thanks also to the great Anchor team for making it free and easy to create the podcast. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe. And in any event, let me have your comments either directly on the podcast or at bookwormsinthewild at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the podcast next time.